T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome in to Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Back at it again with Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris here. It is episode number 12, as we are going to do another style-based podcast, the one that we were supposed to do last week, mm-hmm. we are committing to doing this week. Had to be done. Had to be done. Because we're a little we're, late on it, but well, yeah, we're kind of we're kind of at the end of the cycle now, but we are going to do Oktoberfest as our style of beer for the podcast today. Now, we have tried an Oktoberfest in Beer of the Week. That was the one that you brought with you from Highwire in Asheville, North Carolina, correct? I still dream about that beer. Or was that the one that you brought from Colorado? No, it was from Highwire. Okay. That yeah. Oktoberfest. So we, we did have that for Beer of the Week. I do have an Oktoberfest from Colorado, but it's in a crowler and I left it at work. I think I'm going to drink it today. Okay. Well, you might as well. Yeah. We're talking about it. Yeah. And we, uh, we're going to see each other later tonight again. Yes. For even more beer. And tomorrow. Well, lots of beer. For beer. And tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. Don't we have to drink beer tomorrow, too? Well, I, I mean, think we're supposed to drink beer every day. Well, yeah. I was like, wait, are we meeting tomorrow? Is that <laughs> out of my schedule? What? Um, yes, we are going to drink beer every single day. That's for sure. That's that's life. Beer is life. Uh, so Oktoberfest is coming up today. And uh, so, so far we've done West Coast IPA. And we have done... Oh, my God. I'm already forgetting. What was the other style that we did? Uh, we did West Coast IPA. That's what I remember. <laughs> um, Off to a great start. Yeah, yeah. We're killing it here right now. Uh, there had to be something else that we oh, did. Oh, Fresh Hop. Fresh Hop. Oh, yeah. We did Fresh Hop. So we've we just done hoppy beers. Yeah, we've done West Coast IPA and Fresh Hop so All far. All right. So let's kind of venture out a little bit. So Oktoberfest is going to be interesting for me because I know very little about it. I've done a little bit of research so I can start to lead the conversation. But... Uh, Patrick seems to be the expert, and we will have a guest. Oh, I'm not an expert. I like the style, but I'm working on it. Um, I have researched a lot of this. It is a style that I have grown to love, um, and we'll get into it. I mean, lagers with some extra little flavor to it always kind of talk to me. And so we do have an interview, though, with uh, Conrad from Culmination Brewing, which yep. is going to be coming up next. And uh, he made an Oktoberfest that he actually just released a couple days ago, and we've already had the pleasure of trying it. It is quite good, and also... An Oktoberfest that didn't exactly remind me of an Oktoberfest, which I thought was very interesting. It, yeah. di- it didn't give me those generic Oktoberfest flavors that you tend to get, so I think he's going to be really really interesting to talk to about And they're, they're having a pretty fun little uh, gathering event out there for it. There's, uh, we're going to eat some spatzel. Um, I think they got some some sausages going as well, so we'll, uh, we'll kind of get down on it. Hopefully Conrad's in Lederhosen. <laughs> he might be. Yeah. That would actually be really fun. You never know. And uh, so that that's going to be coming up next segment. And of course, we have the beer of the week, which is a beer that neither of us have tried, which actually happened last week, too. So two weeks in a row for a beer that neither of us have tried yet. I, uh, I saw it on the shelf and I went, hmm, this is going to be really interesting to try. 
So it's a bit of a crapshoot. Cool. And uh, I'm excited to do that. So that's coming up in the third segment on the podcast. Remember, you can find us on Twitter. I am at Mike Lynch 27 and Patrick is at PDD 085. He's also on Instagram at PDD 085. So if you want to reach us, go to me on Twitter, go to Patrick on Instagram, and you can find the podcast 1080thefan.com, iTunes, Google Play, rate, review, subscribe, all the things that you can do there. We appreciate it. We've gotten we've got some really cool thing. People have talked about us. It's kind of cool. So yeah. we appreciate you all for listening and, and, and trusting our, our our ideas of beer. Shout out to the two dudes at Target in East Vancouver. Who picked the Backwoods Pecan Pie <laughs> Porter because we drank it. Much yeah. love, guys. <laughs> that, that was that was, that was was one of the coolest things I've I've maybe ever heard. Mike and I have been doing radio for, what, five years now? Yep. And we have this podcast now, and I that, that was one of the coolest things I've ever heard. When Patrick, so shout out to you guys. Patrick texted me that. I was like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> uh, we're just, just two dudes doing a podcast here. Don't yeah. worry about it. That. So appreciate you guys all listening. Keep the reviews and ratings going on those on those places. It also helps us uh, immensely. So really appreciate it. And uh, like we always do, we want to start with our week in beer before we dive into the actual Oktoberfest style. And remember, you can tell us anything you want about your week in beer, whatever you think about our our podcast that week on social media. So feel free to do that as well. But this week for me, it was interesting. Uh, on Saturday, we went to Wayfinder, and it was my first time at Wayfinder, and mm-hmm. you're probably. Hundredth time at Wayfinder. Yeah, I love that place. Uh, I had never been there before and had absolutely no idea what to expect. You just told me it was a very, very authentic German style uh, pub, or I guess European style. Yeah, pub. If, as if far you, as the beers go, for sure, the beer styles. And uh, I got a taster tray there, and then uh, I wound up sticking with the dark or the black lager, which they call the Hidden Hand Cernay Pivo, which is a Czech style dark lager which i thought was very good and i mean knowing me i would i would go after the dark beer immediately and i did it was very very good very easy drinking and wayfinder was a really cool place it's it's such an awesome brewery we got some food you were really impressed with the food i know food's a big thing for you yes. i i smashed a hell their hellas lager and then uh did a half pour of the vienna lager because I love Vienna lagers uh, as we were on our way out. And I was like, no, I think I can crush this real quick. And you were like, we're leaving in two minutes. And I was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you crushed it real And quick. crushed it, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe didn't need to crush it because we then went to Culmination Brewing with Conrad, who, who was at Wayfinder, and mm-hmm. said, hey, come get a beer. And uh, I did not partake in this because, well, <laughs> didn't really want to. But uh, you and Conrad and someone else I didn't know from the brewery, you, you shotgunned a beer. yeah. It was there, there, like old fashioned college style. I mean, you guys use the knife, but you know, like key at the bottom of the yeah. of the can and pop it and shotgun it. Yeah, Culmination has a Freedom Logger that they're putting out that you can buy in eighteen Marica. packs. You can buy in eighteen packs. God, I'm so obsessed with this. And uh, <laughs> we were laughing about shotgun and beers, and Conrad uh, was like, "Hey, you want to do this?" And I was like, "Yes, I do." We went back. You can check out my Instagram, P Diddy zero eight five. There is a video that Mike took on there. Um, a bunch of my Wazoo uh, friends were kind of critiquing me on Instagram about how fast we did it. I thought we did all right, especially for a man in his 30s. When's I think the I last did all time right. you shotgunned a beer? Oh, uh, well, I, yeah, yeah, it, it's not been that long. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't, I was going to say the last I time I shotgunned a beer, I was 21 years old and I, in college. I was in Pullman two weeks ago, so and I and I wanted to die afterwards. <laughs> uh, I, I, it, it happens more frequently in my life than I would care to admit at 33 years old. Well, it's better to shotgun a Freedom Logger from Culmination than it is to shotgun a Bushlight. Fair, and uh, that's what you did. We also so that's where we tried the Oktoberfest, mm-hmm. and um, he also gave us a taster of two of their fresh hops. I uh, can't remember exactly which one. And there was a fresh hop Phaedrus. Oh, yeah, we did try that one. And, then and there, there was, was a fresh hop, yeah. Yeah, another one. And then <laughs> we also remember. tried a stout as well. Yeah. 
Uh, it was a, it was a, they called it a summer stout yeah. and it was, it was golden in color, but it had stout flavors and it completely blew my mind. Yeah, that was really cool. So we'll talk to Conrad next. Don't worry. And we'll probably bring that up at some point too, but we're going to talk to him a lot about the Oktoberfest style. And, uh, and then Sun, oh no. And then we went to Bridgetown Beer House to go watch your Cleveland Indians get smacked around by the Houston Astros. Don't worry. My Yankees also got smacked around by the Red Sox so we can commiserate together. Yep. And, uh, I tried a chuck nut Pilsner there. And uh, I had a classic heretic chocolate hazelnut porter, which I got out of the case. I, I went simple. I was chucking up Pilsner with you and a Quasar from uh, Ecliptic. And they were doing a hazy IPA day that day. And, yeah. you know, not a huge hazy fan. And neither are you. So tried to avoid it if I could. <laughs> but they do a good job. You know, they, they they try their best to make sure we got something for the common folk. It was my first time there. Cool spot. Yeah. Bathroom door broken when I went in and got locked in temporarily. That was hilarious. <laughs> That was really funny. Because there was a sign on the door, on the bathroom door, that said, the bathroom door lock doesn't work, so if the door is closed, that means someone in it. I was like, okay. So I closed the door, went to the bathroom, and when I went to get out, when I put my hand on the inside handle, it fell out of the door. It was really awesome, because we were just sitting there, and then we heard it hit the ground and looked over and was like, Mike's locked in the bathroom. <laughs> and then the, the the bartender was like, hold on. And he came over and he like got the thing to unlock. And I was like, cool, good start to my day here. Much appreciated. It's better than the story of uh, my, my now wife. The first time she came to my house uh, in New Jersey to mm. visit, literally the first time we got off the plane, we got to the house and she went, let me go run to the bathroom. And our upstairs bathroom door was similarly broken. And we used to have this piece of tape over it so that it wouldn't lock itself in. Okay. But someone had just come in to paint it and they had removed the tape and we didn't know it. Uh. Literally within the first three minutes of her meeting my parents for the first time, she was locked in her upstairs bathroom for over an hour. <laughs> and that's when she fell in love. <laughs> yep. That's when she fell in love. Because you know why? I stayed with her on the other side of the door. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> also tried to rip the door open like with a screwdriver crowbar <laughs> action style. <laughs> I will save you, my dear. And then uh, and then Sunday, had a friend visiting, and uh, some of his friends who I'd met prior actually just moved here. So I was kind of like their tour guide, and we did kind of a, just a little quick three brewery pearl walking beer tour where we did Von Ebert to Shoots and Ten Barrel and... Um, they wanted to go to Ex Novo, but also one of the guys lived in the Pearl and didn't have a car yet. So it was just, let's stay there so he can walk and meet us kind of thing. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was my weekend beer. It was actually a lot bigger than I remember it being. <laughs> yeah. And then Sunday I woke up bright and early and went to the, uh, the Bills bar, the Buffalo Bills bar with, uh, my friends who are Bills fans. I'm kind of staging there with them and, uh, the cheerful bullpen right by Providence Park. Yep. Drank a lot of the bat blues because mm -hmm. that's what you do at a Bills bar. Went home, took a nap for about four hours because morning drinking is tougher than day drinking. Uh, and then went to a Blazer preseason game where I drank uh, some 10 barrels. So AB InBev for me all day on Sunday. <laughs> it's pretty great. What a, what a surprise. Yeah, I know. Literally a surprise. No, it's it's a shocker. Uh, I got the text from my boss. was like, hey, you want these Blazer tickets? And I was like, yeah, I do. Oh, man, I'm going to be drinking sellout beer all weekend. <laughs> hey, sometimes that beer can still be good. Uh, it happens. More fun to be at a game than anything. Sometimes that beer can still be good. Yes, sometimes and it can still be I will bring this good. back up when we have oh, great. the big beer topic. Sometimes that beer can still be good. Okay. All right, let's dive in to the Oktoberfest style. And this is something that is interesting to me because in my in my brief research on this today, the the articles I've, I've read basically said it's not really a style as much as it is a beer made around the time of Oktoberfest. Mm -hmm. Is that... 
true? I would say so. I mean, there there's like a couple different styles you can do. I mean, it kind of started with, you know, it's based in Munich. Um, the the whole tradition of Oktoberfest started in like 1810, and it's the the celebrate the marriage. It's actually October 12th. I'm looking at the date right now. It's it's October 12th of 1810, which is so going to be- So two days away. Yeah. Uh, Maybe we are having perfect timing. To celebrate the marriage of Bavarian crown prince Ludwig to the Saxon Hildberghausen princess Therese. And the citizens of Munich were invited to join. Cool. I feel like I'm in history class right now. I know. Me too. Can I, I sound so smart, but I was totally reading that off Google, so like, don't think I'm that smart. Can I fall asleep and just read it in a book later? <laughs> uh, but they celebrate for like five days, and it, and that's where this kind of started. And uh, the, the beers have kind of evolved. It's, they made the beer in September to be able to celebrate it for Oktoberfest, so it's more like... It's more of actually a September beer than an actual October beer, which is kind of weird to think. Does that make a difference? I don't think so. I think just the traditional way of making it, they made it in September to have in October or late September, early October sort of thing. Um, so some, I think now with where beer is, we can kind of be all over the place. You know, some people had an Oktoberfest out, you know, three, four weeks ago, a month ago, maybe to where some people are putting theirs out tomorrow sort of thing. So I think you can kind of bounce all over the place. And in terms of styles, you know, kind of the, the people of Munich, you know, they're best known for, you know, their Dunkel. That's kind of their dark lager that they do around this time of year. But it's kind of evolved into, you know, into like a, a Marzen or a Marzen, however you want to pronounce it, which is maybe the closest thing you're going to get to an American Amber. Um, it's got a little more sweetness to it. It's got a little more extra malt characteristic to it. Um, but then a lot of German styles are also going more closer to like a Helles or a Dortmunder lager with a little extra kind of flavor to it, which is what you'll see. Like Freem does a Fest beer. Theirs is going to be way more light body lager with a little bit of taste. To where, if I'm, if if I remember correctly, Culminations was a little darker in color. It was darker, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's kind of it. Kind of depends on do you want to do a little more German style or do you want to give the American touch to it? I don't think either are right or wrong. Um, well crafted beer is well crafted beer. Well, th- this is a note that I see here too that says the Brewers Association breaks down Oktoberfest into two styles: German style Oktoberfest Weissen. American style Marzen Oktoberfest. There you go. So it's it's going to be different based on a German brewery mm-hmm. and an American brewery. And that was one thing that kind of surprised me when I was looking this up is that I always thought Oktoberfest was a style. And I always kind of, not not based on the year, but based on the type of beer. Mm-hmm. And I always in my head pictured it as a, a amber reddish color, but it didn't have obviously the, the flavor profile of an amber or a red, like an American amber. Um, because it uses so much of the German malts mm-hmm. and and also hops, obviously. But the one thing that I found really interesting was when having that uh, at Freem, the Fest beer, and, and having some of their German-style beer when we were there a couple weeks ago, the it was very light in color. Mm-hmm. And then Culminations was red, and I remember a lot being red, but I've seen some that are lighter in color. And I think in the beginning, that's why I didn't like it, because I expected a certain type of beer and it, it kind of varied wildly, mm-hmm. but there was always a little flavor, and maybe it has to do with, with the yeast or the German malt or whatever it is that I didn't fully love right away. And it was just very confusing to me. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think some of what's what's really cool about, about this style and how kind of the American culture has taken over this style as well is I think now we're at a point with craft brewing being as so big as it is, especially in the Portland, Oregon 
the, the, the city and the state market is people, we now have kind of the option. I think for the longest time when people were making Oktoberfests, they're making them, you know, that more caramel-colored, amber-colored bodied lager. Um, is it because we're getting colder, so that's more appealing to drink when you're getting into the colder weather? Maybe, maybe I can I can follow that. I think now the re, now we're seeing a lot more resurgence in the more traditional German style because because beer has evolved so much in this city and this state that now people can kind of say, well, you know what, I'm going to take a shot at the traditional way. To where maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago when craft beer wasn't as big as it is now, people are kind of looking more, well, how can I how can I make this style more relatable to the common American palate? And now we have people, you know, like 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 Wayfinder or Freem who come from traditional German style backgrounds to want to do it more traditionally. And then you have this other style. Again, I, I don't think it's right or wrong. I think it's well-crafted beer is well-crafted. I personally don't care which style you do. Um, I like the kind of general base grainy uh, sweetness that you can get from this, um, no matter whether it's light and bodied or got a little richer body lager. Do you, I mean, do you know off the top of your head what it is in the beer that's similar in all Oktoberfest that I didn't like originally? I don't know, Mike. I don't know what it is that you don't like. I mean, it could be. It's, just, it's tough to describe the flavor because yeah. it's more of just like, it's it's almost. If, we were, if we're going to go back to how we taste it, it's always on the back end for me. It's like, I like it, I like it, I like it, and then it leaves this lingering taste of, eh, I don't love this that much. It, it's a malt-driven lager, so I got to imagine that it's something in the malt that you're not digging. Which um, is surprising for me. Yeah, I do. I mean, the, the, two, the two biggest tasting flavors that I get out of it is, is grainy and sweet. Um, Maybe it's the grainy. Yeah. I mean, because I love sweet, I like caramely, I like all that kind of stuff in beer. But and I think maybe some poorly made ones can leave you a little like cardboardy in the back. Mm, maybe like, you know, like kind of just a little stale, like like a stale chip, stale potato chip or something. I mean, uh, not to say this is a bad one, but the one that I first had was a Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. I I don't know the style well enough. I haven't tried it from enough people to say. Hey, that's not good. I just remember that's the first one I ever tried because it was mass produced and it mm-hmm. was all over the place, and it had that flavor. If so. I'm if I'm not mistaken, that is a darker colored one. I believe Sierra Nevadas is a darker colored one as well, and those are kind of some of the longer standing Oktoberfests out in the market. Uh, yeah, that that's what I imagine you're tasting. Interesting. What is your favorite Oktoberfest style beer? Oof. Or do you have one that sticks sticks in your mind? Man, that high wire from Asheville, I dream about that every day. Mm, too bad you can't get it until you go back. I know. <laughs> I don't want that. So if you're out there in Beerland, if you want to send me some high wire Oktoberfest, that would be amazing. Hit them up on Instagram, PDD085. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, I think Oktoberfest is a, you know, is 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 kind of a newer flavor newer style for me i mean it took me a long time to get into lagers just in general um all over the place you know but i think i walked into an alt beer and that kind of changed my world when it came to german lagers and so um my palate is still evolving again i when it comes to this style i think like i said like i've said multiple multiple times there's good interpretations and bad interpretations and good beer is i'm always going to enjoy at least for the most part at least understand a good crafted beer um so i'm i'm still going so this is a this article i'm reading here says only six breweries in munich serve on on the premises of oktoberfest 
Pauliner. I'm going to mispronounce these. Apologies. Pauliner. Pauliner. Spotten. Spotten. Hacker. Score. Yeah, I don't know that. Augustiner. Hofbrau. Yep. And Lowenbrow. Cool. And it says Hofbrau, which reminded me in Vegas, I went to Hofbrau House in Las Vegas. Oh. And uh, I was just looking at it. I did not get an Oktoberfest there because we went in like July. <laughs> but uh, I was looking on their menu. Now they do have the Oktoberfest up there because it is, well, time for Oktoberfest. Yeah. And, and you can see the color in that. Yeah, and it's very light on this one. I'm on the Hofbrau House website right now. To where there's a Maybach right next to it, and that Maybach, uh, that's more of the color you're going to see in an American style. Yeah, absolutely. They also did one there where they mixed the Hef and the Dunkel together. Yeah, Dunkelweizen. Yeah, isn't that crazy, though? Yeah. I, I had never seen that before. It's cool. That's the one that my wife got, and I got just the Dunkel straight up. But yeah, so I, I wish I could have had the Oktoberfest when we went there. Obviously, they wouldn't have it on tap, but... Uh, it would have been cool to know what one of the classic ones in Munich tastes like that they actually sell at Oktoberfest there. Yeah, they just got done with Oktoberfest in Germany. Um, some of our peeps went over. Uh, Conrad went over. I'm sure he'll talk about that while he was there. Um, I hear it's the ultimate bucket list. Uh, and uh, I don't. It just wanna... sounds like an S show. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't, it's just insane. I don't want to ruin too much of Conrad's story, but maybe we can get him to talk about uh, the boys from down under. Yeah, absolutely. And, and how they are out there. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so that's Oktoberfest beer. I, I don't have too much else to say about it. It's kind of, this is all learning for me. Mm -hmm. And I know we're kind of getting to the end of it, but I guess if you can catch any that are still out there, give them a taste before they uh, they get off tap. And, yeah, I don't uh, think they bottle it, but if you can catch Freem's, um, Freem's is fantastic. I really enjoyed their Oktoberfest this year. Um, and we were we went to Wayfinder this weekend because I was really hoping they might still have some on, but they were out. Um, so yeah, there's still some out there. Uh, you just gotta gotta go search for it. And if you have one that you really like that we haven't mentioned, feel free to let us know. And next year when it comes back around again, or if we can find yeah. it now, but next year if it comes back around again, then we can definitely give it a try because I wanna I wanna learn this style better because everything about it is what I like in beer, except for that one flavor that we were trying to kind of figure out what it might be. And the funny thing is, and we'll talk about this next, is I did not taste that in the culmination Oktoberfest. Okay, interesting. That flavor was not, it was either not as prevalent or I could deal with it better. I don't know what it was, but we can talk about that next. We'll have to taste it again yes. just to be safe, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. We just want to make sure we're thorough and all the way through in this. Just, just one, though. Or, or two. two. Or three. Uh, all right, so that's coming up next. Conrad from Culmination is uh, next here on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Time for the interview portion here on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. And we are out at Culmination Brewing, sitting down with head brewmaster Conrad Andrus. Andrus? Oh, God, I already messed it up. Uh, you got it. Nice job. Close enough. <laughs> nice job, dude. I know. I, he literally just told me before I started to record, and I already went to Elvis Andrus instead. <laughs> baseball, right. baseball on the brain. Good enough. Um, so this is our Oktoberfest uh, episode, and I do want to talk to Conrad about his Oktoberfest beer that he just made, as well as some other things. But we have to start with your trip to Germany where you actually just came back from the real Oktoberfest. Was that your first time going? What were some stories there? How crazy yeah. was it? So my my first Munich Oktoberfest, um, absolutely the craziest thing ever. Um, <laughs> I don't think any American brewer can throw a party like that. Um, but it was just overwhelming enough for me to wonder, uh, well, to go back just to make sure I don't want to go back. <laughs> So you got like what is it? Is it, they still do it pretty traditionally? There's really only five breweries pouring beer there. Is that what I hear? Yeah. So each tent 
has one brewery and they only have one like one one moss that they serve which is like mm-hmm. the leader um and depending on which tent you're in there's a little bit more like focus towards like food and some there's a little bit more like of uh like age demographic type tents too where like you you have like one that's like a lot more younger kids and one that's a lot more like older dudes just sitting there drinking mm-hmm. their leaders and eating and copious amounts of food and just yeah. calling it yeah so it's it's a pretty interesting thing but i mean like near near the end of the day it is still just like the craziest party no matter where you go is so. there just like one story you have from this trip in particular that has stuck with you since you left it's like crazy drunken people or just something that happened to you (laughs) well i remember getting crazy drunk but um (laughs) no it's i mean the whole experience is just like incredibly overwhelming in all terms like but i i never really noticed that like or really understood that like when people are like yeah people get drunk at oktoberfest that they really like they go to 11 um like turn it up drunk, to 11 yeah yeah <laughs> drunk people holding up drunk people holding up drunker people <laughs> wow um they're they actually like you can't drive a vehicle down there um so they i, re- I remember like uh the paramedics having like this little metal stretcher that's got walls that i i'm assuming is for people like if they're drunk and combatant they can't like throw their arms or anything mm. or if they puke it doesn't end up all over the paramedics <laughs> it just ends up all over themselves <laughs> yeah it's like a it's like a splash guard in the urinal <laughs> except it's for the puke <laughs> no splash guards in those urinals also so. <laughs> um so you came back and you've made your now your october fest beer for this year and we were talking about it a little bit earlier on the podcast where it's not necessarily a style based on what type of beer you're making as much as a style based on the time of year you're making it. Yeah. And is that how you followed it? Or did, is there a style that you tried to also incorporate when you made your own this year? I mean, well, we, we make our fest beer like much like most Meritsons, um, you know, Munich, uh, some care Munich, Munich too. And then, uh, we, we always blend a little bit because we kind of like it a tiny bit lighter body. So it's got like, half pills malt half munich um but it's also a collaboration with migration where uh uh trevor trevor base when he went down to uh uh crosby hop farms and brought sterlings um obviously like it went, it's not like a traditional german hop variety but you know it's the soft floral and some of those nice spicy noble notes. Yeah, yeah so like noble continental hop character um, but you know, we, we can't get fresh, big German hops. So. Right. Of course. <laughs> yeah. What made you decide to fresh hop the fest beer? Well, um, I, it was funny, like Trevor and I were talking about doing a beer together and he's like, yeah, oh, you want to do a fresh hop beer? And I was like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm making this uh fest beer and next week. He's like, yeah, let's just make that a fresh hop beer and call it a collab. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, why not? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty easy collab. Like sent sent like my basic recipe over to him, and you know, we knew that we'd have these like sterlings that we'd throw in the whirlpool, and you know sent an email back and was like, yeah, it looks great to me. Like, yeah, let's let's uh, 
Let's have a good brew day and just <laughs> go from there. I do have a follow-up question to that, too, and it's actually not related to Oktoberfest, but you fresh hopped this beer. I This is the first time I've seen a Fest beer fresh hopped. And just the other day, we had a fresh hop Cascadian Dark Ale. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it, that fresh hop beers are almost always IPAs. Right? You always see fresh hop IPAs. But this year, I'm starting to see it branch out a little bit more. Could you conceivably fresh hop almost any type of beer and yeah. have a, a strong impact on that beer? Totally. I mean, really, like, the character that you get from fresh hops is, like, this, uh, like, chlorophyllic, like, more like hop planty flavor that it's um i mean when when people do ipas and i know like we we do our ipas the same way breakside does their ipas where we freeze the hops with liquid nitrogen and then add them to a conditioning tank um for for this one because it's not really like a hop aromatic driven beer um you know, we just put them in our whirlpool, but I mean, it's, it's kind of like the use of hops. Like you could do a fresh hop beer of any style. It's just kind of where you add it and what you want from it as far as the character. Yeah. Where's the right spot to bring in the addition of the hops. That makes sense. You were talking about, you collabed this beer with migration. How many collabs do you do and do you enjoy them? Or are you kind of picky about them? Because I know there's some brewers that love collabs, then there's a lot of brewers that do not like collabs. I'm just kind of curious where you sit on that. I mean, we we love doing collabs. I mean, you know, as a community, we we learn from each other, and as a community, we you know can help each other grow. So, I mean, we we typically won't say no to collab with someone unless like it doesn't fit our timeline or it doesn't like there there are certain things where it's like maybe we're too busy that like we, we can't do it in any sort of conceivable amount of time that like this other brewery wants. You hear that everybody, if you just uh, come down to culmination and he'll collab <laughs> with just, you know, anybody. Yeah. Like, especially if you've only got like two days to do it, he'll definitely do it. Yeah. I mean, For I started sure. home brewing in my garage <laughs> yesterday and I'm going to collab with Conrad right. today. Yeah. I, uh, garage beer. With culmination. I'm going to say no, Patrick. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, you must be really – he's just busy. He, he told me right. he'll get me on the books at some point. Yeah, yeah. next year when I, when I make my next homebrew, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's going to definitely do it with me. Gotcha. So is it true that you are the youngest head brewmaster in the city? Uh, I'm, I'm not actually sure. I mean, I'm probably, if not the youngest, one of the youngest. How did that come about? Because I feel like from what, I've, from what I've learned, and I'm not in the industry. I mean, you, you two are. But from what I've learned just from doing this podcast is – you know, you got to work your way up. There's a ladder to climb. And how did you, I don't know if you skipped steps or how did you accelerate to get to become a head brewmaster at, at your age? Um, I, I think really what what happened is, I mean, one, I uh, went and interned with one of the best breweries in the world. Well, which one's that? Oh, I'm pretty excited, I guess. I <laughs> know. Uh, um, so went uh interned with them and then actually got a job offer from the company that was packaging for them and uh uh worked worked for them for a few years and was able to like really see like breweries all over the state and all over the pacific northwest like i i worked everywhere from like up north to like bellingham out east to like bend south to salem and i i worked in probably like 30 to 40 different breweries which gives you a good like perspective on like what people are doing, what you like about certain people's process, what you think is 
not great about other people's process. You can kind of see everything just because you're there, right? You can kind of just, you're there and it's like, oh yeah, we're going to package down here and you walk through and you just happen to look around. You're like, okay, tanks, you know, here's where you keep all your supplies, all that kind of stuff. You can see everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, I came to culmination kind of on a whim. Uh, they were just getting started up and, you know, a little, little bit of an underfunded brewery project and that, and I was able to, you know, uh, step, step in and like say, Hey, I know, I know how to make beer. Like I don't have a ton of experience doing everything, but you know, I was given, given the opportunity to learn very quickly with all of it. And, you know, the, the only thing too is like, we kind of, we don't pigeonhole ourselves as a brewery. Like we're not just like an IPA brewery. I mean, we absolutely do make a lot of Phaedrus and other things, but like we, we've definitely like Belgian styles, lagers, sour beer, barrel aged imperial stouts, stuff like that, where we really, you know, have, have made the risk to try everything. And I think that's been like a big component of learning. Like, wanna, okay. Well, I kind of have a two-part question off that. The The first thing is, so you, you worked at a bunch of different places. Does it kind of take a, a special mindset to still be able to brew? Because I know Patrick, I've talked to him about it. He goes, I don't want to be a brewer. Mm-mm. I love working in beer, but I don't want to be a brewer. I don't want to be a brewmaster. Yet you went to all these places, and you come to Culmination, and you're like, hey, I could do this. Let me, let me do some trial and error, and I can do this. I could learn. Does it take kind of like a special ability like that you have to do that or is it just determination to learn and and fight through the mistakes and and just keep going and i I mean i'd probably equate it to being like a chef every everyone eats uh, everybody likes to eat well not some people don't like to eat but um you know like but there are certain people that cook as a hobby there's certain people that actually can step up and like work in a kitchen and like sit there and be a slave to the ticket machine and you know like go through it and you know provide everyone with like a super great experience um in a kitchen but there are also just people that are content with like top ramen to get by and that's I mean, that, I guess that's kind of the difference between being like a brewer, being a home brewer, and then, you know, someone who just likes to buy beer mm-hmm. or drink it. Like, y- you do you do have to, like, really care about it and really, like, find find your way in it, if that makes sense. No, there's, like, a lot of, like, math and science involved and stuff like that, and I'm just... Nah. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, is Hard it pass. is it more of an artistic mind? Is it kind of a, like he's saying? Is it a scientific mind? Is it I think both? You got to be both. Yeah, yeah. you got to be able to get both sides of your brain at once. Yeah, I mean, it, and I don't think that's exclusive. Like, I, I mean, I've worked as a consultant um, and like help people set up breweries, and I've got a very mechanical mind. Um, and like that's that's that part's easy for me. Um, but like I know brewers that make great beer that need to know like what valves to throw because of the process. And yeah, they could figure it out, but it's it's easier for them to have someone come in and be like, "All right, if you need th- need it to do this, do these three things." Um, 
instead of them like sitting there staring at process piping and not totally like getting everything that they need from it. I mean, that's kind of a bad example, but I understand though. But yeah, like they want to make the beer, but the steps to make the beer they, not they, necessarily they, their front yeah. of mind. Yeah. Uh, and then the second question I had was: So you said you're not just one type of brewery here; you make a lot of beer. So generally, to you, what is your general philosophy about beer here? You want to do you want to make it all like a really wide scope and appeal to everybody? Do you do you still like a certain style the best, or a certain beer that you make the best, or kind of what's your general philosophy? Um, I mean, don't don't do anything halfway. I I I think for us, we like doing everything because we feel pretty confident in our ability to do everything. Um, if if we're nervous about something, you know, we we have friends and you know part of like the whole collaboration thing like we have friends and we have people we we talk with and we've grown with to like that that have always helped us and when when we're tripping up over something we you know have those relationships so we can be better at what we do and i think that's kind of in essence what like you know being uh, Portland beer, like being Portland beer is like, or Oregon beer is that we all know that we can ask each other how to do something better. What, uh, what, what's, what's on the, what's on the horizon? What's coming up with culmination? What are you guys getting into now that fresh hop season's behind? You got anything fun new coming up? Uh, well, four and 20, which we do is like the winter beer. Uh, the Imperial black IPA is coming back out. Mike's a big fan of that. I love that. Look at the smile on his face. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're doing cans this year of it too, so we're doing uh, sixteen ounce four packs. Um, Even better. <laughs> yeah, now in a shotgunable size. <laughs> Blackout juice. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, we got that. We have a few more like sour beers coming out, like um, our Creek Mythology, which we do every year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our like Flanders style base, aged twelve months in Pinot barrels, and then we re then we take the finished barrel finished beer and then condition on cherries and uh that should be out in about a month and then because i went to germany we have a a, a raukmerzen mm. that is coming out and i'm pretty excited about that like you know what o- is, over what is, what is that oh uh, i don't know what oh, that is oh. <laughs> Sm- ooh, ooh. S- smoky amber lager yeah <sighs> Yeah, if you see the the Rauk, what is it? R A U C H. Is that how you spell it? Um, that basically tells you it's going to be smoky. Mm. Yeah, and when also when I was in my alley. yeah it's when great. I was in Bomberg, uh, there I went to this brewery, uh, Spetzial, um, and like they they had like a pilsner and like I think one like a vice beer, but they like the one beer that I just kept going back to was the uh, the Rauk beer that they had. It was just blew my mind and that's kind of all i wanted to drink was like retire sit in a pub with all these old dudes and just drink half liters of that for the rest of my life well, when you're in <laughs> germany like that do you can you go up to the brewmaster and i mean i guess in broken german be like hey i'm also a brewmaster could you could you teach me some stuff or um they i mean i'm sure if i had sent an email and was like really asking um yeah but 
I, a lot of these like breweries and that they're they're pretty set apart from the from the customers. So it's like Spezial, their their brewery is there, but like if you go in, they have their like their pub and then their kitchen and then like a little uh, like hallway between like their restrooms and that and then there's like a whole like courtyard and then the brewery is beyond the courtyard so gotcha. like if if you're walking out that way you're probably gonna someone's gonna call you as out of place <laughs> <laughs> i'm really glad so normally i'm kind of a big hater on the uh american system of measurement i'm usually a big you know pro guy on metric system but beer might be the exception because I don't know if I want to sit in a place and just slam liters all day. <laughs> you know, I think that's a really bad idea. I can well, slam pints all day. Well, everything's like the in, the, everything's the in like liter. everything's in half, half liters, liter. pretty much. But you much. were saying at Oktoberfest, it was just slamming liters all day. But yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's the fun part about Oktoberfest. They just walk like, by with liters and send them down, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's beer in Germany is very cheap. It's like three euro for mm. like a, a half liter. Beer at Oktoberfest is very expensive. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like $12 for a liter, so you're Oof. like Company twi- credit twice card. as much. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, They're f- cash only, too. <laughs> <laughs> one final question before we let you go, and this is one Patrick asks almost everybody we have on. What do you think is the next big uh-huh. thing in Portland beer or Northwest beer Style-wise, Patrick has said multiple times he thinks it's the German. He thinks Belgian it's glitter style. beer. Oh uh, yeah, I do not think it's glitter beer. <laughs> he thinks it's the glitter beer that uh, is also sour. No, the uh, German and Belgian style. He thinks is what's coming up as the big next thing. What do you think? I, I mean, I agree with Patrick on like I think more so German style style lagers are going to be, or just lagers in general. Um, I think. For a long time, like the the craft consumer has always been, you know, like what's hoppier, what's what's what is like the next most sour thing, and it it's kind of been like the divide, divide craft beer from from like generic macro beer, and I think that there's a little bit more of a realignment where like you know someone who likes macro beer understands that craft beer can make good lagers. Like a freedom lager. <coughs> right. Yeah. It's a good bridge for people who don't drink craft beer. And that's actually... It's like, hey, you can drink craft beer because it tastes similar to what you've been drinking. Yeah, and it's something I actually didn't realize that Conrad kind of alluded to here is that maybe that's a big reason why IPAs became so popular because they were so far removed in flavor profile from American domestic macro that it proved that you weren't drinking American macro. To where now so many people are making more lagers that now it's more okay because craft beer has been cemented in the culture. I don't know. I've never kind of thought about it that way. I guess if, you, if you're someone who's only had domestic beer, domestic macro beer, I should mm-hmm. say, and you have an IPA, it's like, what, yeah. what is what this? What is this? It's not, it's not I can't Pretty chug intrusive. it. Pretty intrusive. It can't chug it and I taste flavors? What? Yeah, IPA, I always say this and, you know, I've said it in probably every one, but, you know, IPAs aren't going anywhere, you know. They're always going to be around. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think regular a West Coast IPA or like Bright IPA and then Hazy IPA are always going to be a thing. Yeah. uh, I think the cool thing about like Hazy IPA is that really, 
I, I think it catapulted the industry forward a little bit on like even places where they were going through like the space race of IBUs, like mm-hmm. how bitter can you make, make it? Um, now there are even places like that are more focused on like hop flavor. Yeah. Cool. Well, Con- Conrad Andrus yeah. got it. Head brewmaster culmination. Thank you for having us out. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you for you joining us. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, And coming up next, Beer of the Week. This is Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. It is now time for Beer of the Week. It is a beer that neither Patrick nor I. Nor I? Is that the right way to say nor? Nora. Nor what? Noru. Noro. Naruto. (laughs) (laughs) Nutella. Oh, I do love Nutella. Um, Nuremberg. The if we're gonna go back to Germany again, <laughs> um, Patrick and I have not tried this beer. It's the same thing that happened last week. We had not tried it yet. I was uh, wandering around John's Marketplace today, and I was because I, I didn't really have anything this week that warranted beer of the week to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let me see if I can find something that that stands out to me. And this was actually one of the first things that I saw when I walked up to the Portland Metro shelf at John's. And it's the Hopworks, or Hub, depending on how you know it, Complete Darkness Fresh Hop Imperial Cascadian Dark Ale. Now, to me, this is like everything I love. I love Hub, I love Cascadian Dark Ales, and I like Fresh Hop beers a lot. So I went, Beer of the Week, let's go. And it's an Imperial, so, you know, just in case we need that extra little boost in ABV, why not? Well, is that is that a problem? No, no. Nothing wrong no, with Imperial, nothing right? Nothing wrong, nothing Does wrong. Does this interest excite you at all? Because I... I looked at it and went, well, I know he likes Cascadian Dark Ales, and I know he likes Fresh Hops. Uh, let's see what the combo does. It, it interests me a lot. Um, I do like uh, CDAs uh, or black IPAs, however you want to call them. I, I feel it's kind of a, you know, at times can seem like a bastardized style in the Northwest, even though we kind of created it. I, I don't think a lot of people make them anymore. I don't think there's the, the biggest market for them anymore, which kind of makes me sad. But the base is, is just meant to be a, a classic dark ale that you just aggressively hop. And, you know, for the longest time, I was always like, why are we fresh hopping beers that aren't IPAs? And well, I think there's some value to fresh hopping any kind of style of beer that does have hops prominent. We just have to remember that IPAs aren't the only thing that are hop prominent. You know, you can make a hoppy pilsner. Absolutely. And um, we and I've seen some of those out and about too, some fresh hop pilsners as mm-hmm. well. But yeah, you're right. When when we look at fresh hops, it, it almost always seems to be an IPA. Yeah. Which is why this one stood out so much to me because this is more of a style that I would choose. And you're right, it is hoppier, but it it it, it has enough balance in it that it makes it more approachable for those of us who like hops but don't love hops. Yeah, and this style in general, the CDA in general is is one one of my more favorite styles simply because it allows me to get that that dark beer characteristic, those classics in a dark beer characteristic without it being too heavy like a stout or a porter because I mean you're a stout porter guy, but usually especially in stouts those bodies are just a little too big for me and I think the giving the this giving this style more body by using hops talks to me, so I'm down. It smells like an IPA. So take your sip because I just took my first one, and I felt like I went through like a rainbow road of flavors. <laughs> if I can Mario Kart reference you there, because it hits you initially right. It's fresh hop right away. Can you make that secret jump? Uh, no, I usually I usually suck really bad at that secret jump. Oh, okay. You have to use the right bumper to hop over the wall, but gotta know how to do it. If you miss it. 
you get stuck <laughs> and you have to reverse and then you're in fifth place. Yeah. And then you're racing in fifth place for five hours because it's the longest race map ever of all time. I love Mario Kart. Uh, so does everybody else. The It starts off really fresh hop and flavor. It kind of punches you with the fresh hop. Not in a bad way, but just it's like, hey, I'm here. And then as you oh, go wow. through it, it doesn't give you the usual fresh hop middle. It changes to a Cascadian Dark Gale. And then I get this really sweet punch at the very end, the very back end. It kind of turns sweet on you. Mm-hmm. And... Almost like, I'll take another sip of it, but it, there's a flavor that it reminds me of, of like a food or a candy that I that I am recalling in my memory just from that sip. But I, man, I did not expect that at all. I, I don't know what I expected. I didn't expect anything. I just thought it sounded good, and it, it is good. <laughs> yeah, I really dig this. It smells like an IPA. Um, it looks, as I'm reading this bottle, they're using Centennial Hops from uh, Goshi Farms which is kind of a newer, trendier hop farm out there that has been doing a lot of fun stuff. Um, they are Salmon Safe certified, uh, which means they use no uh, products that hurt the salmon. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's always great. Um, but this that's is really cool. That's Northwest Portland for you yeah, right there. Right. <laughs> um, but this is really cool. Um, like I said, it smells like an IPA, and when you taste it, the I, it might be the fresh hops kind of taking over in it, but uh, the, the roasty character of it is kind of subtle. But um, it hits you. It, it's lingering to the roast. Yeah, that's the lingering part. But I definitely get the fruitness that you're talking about. There's something sweet at the very back, mm-hmm. and I it could it, be your malt. It, but it reminds me of a fruit or a candy flavor, and I'm trying to trying to find it because I didn't get it exactly in that sip that I just took again. It is. Boy, those centennials come through really big. Yeah, right away. Yeah, it's like, hey, I'm here, fresh hops. Yeah. But and what's interesting too is because we've had so many fresh hop IPAs, this. You would think that because it's a CDA, it would kind of uh, kind of war the fresh hop a little bit because the flavors are very different. But it doesn't really war like battle it. It kind of just smoothly transitions into a Cascadian Dark Ale afterwards, and yeah. it doesn't it doesn't have this like jarring transition. It's just like, hey, I'm fresh hop beer. Oh yeah, I'm also Cascadian Dark Ale. Oh, there's some malts and sweetness at the end, and the fresh hops are in the beginning. You get all the flavors at once. Yeah, just to kind of read what it says on the on the bottle, because it gives a little history of how they figured out this beer. It says, inspired by that one time we camped out at a hop farm during the total eclipse, uh, rushed fresh eclipse harvested hops to the brewery and added them to the darkest hoppy beer of all time. The beer was pure magic, so we're reliving the experience with this year's version. This Imperial CDA features fresh centennials from Goshi Farms. Man, I cannot place what that flavor that, that I found was, but it's in there. It's the fruity flavor is in there from, I mean, we, we talked about this in the Fresh Hop episode. You get grapefruit and you get other types of kind of citrusy fruits in Fresh Hop beer. Mm-hmm. Very, very pronounced. And it's not as pronounced in this one, but because it's breaking through the maltiness of the Cascadian Dark Ale, but it does kind of break through at the end. Complete darkness. Do you remember the eclipse? I do. My parents came to visit for it. It was a big deal. Mm. We uh, Apparently, they had seats in Salem for it and we were petrified of the traffic yeah so we just went to like a little local park and saw the 99.8 percent eclipse i watched it from um the patio of the bar below my apartment and it was super eerie because the entire street was super quiet you know and i live on a decently live off of a decently busy street and couldn't even hear birds like there were no birds, there were no there were no nature sounds. I remember it too. There were no cars. It got instantly cold. Yep. And dark, obviously not fully dark, but super eerie, like dusk or dawny kind mm-hmm. of color. Almost complete darkness. 
<laughs> zing zing. Uh, that's the name of the beer. Um, and it kind of just yeah, you're right. The the animals just kind of were like, what? I was I'm awake. Why am I having to go to sleep now? And they all just stopped. Mm -hmm. And then it was fine. What's anyway. interesting in the smell of this beer though, I'm not getting as much of an IPA smell as you are. Oh really? I get a very malty smell. Okay. And I do smell the the, the fresh hop in there, but. It reminds me a lot of a, of a malty beer in the smell, of a, of a CDA, really. Man, I can't get past those hops. They're just rocking my world right now. Centennial sure was the popular hop this year. I noticed it. I mean, every year there's, every year there's one hop that people, you tend to see gravitate towards. I don't know if it's just because people are getting better at, at fresh hops and what the crops are looking like this year. We should probably, you know, bring somebody on at some point and do a hop farm episode. Uh... But uh, Centennial seemed to be the go-to. It seemed to be the one that everyone was really happy with the crop this year. And you can see why. There's so much fruit nodes to it. Um, and and I think it it is showing here that that Centennial can complement really any style. Because I think when we did the Elliott Fresh Hop, we did that one with Centennial. And they did another one with Amarillo. And I they normally do it with Amarillo. But I've tasted that with Centennial. We did a Centennial. I've probably had four other Centennials, and now this one. Centennial seemed to be the one that was kind of kicking on all cylinders. You this guys year. had a couple of Centennials, right? I think we just did one. Well, you had the one that was the Stay Fresh Centennial. Yeah. But I thought you used Centennial in a different one, if I remember. But I mean, you, obviously, you would know better than me. Maybe. <laughs> Mine's getting a little foggy. <laughs> I mean, look, you're probably right. You probably only did there's, the one. There's a ton of fresh hops. You did ten fresh hops here. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so if you can find this, give it a try. I, I found it at John's Marketplace uh, on Multnomah. It's a it's a very dark label with because the name Complete Darkness. Um, the the wording is in like a dark gray, so you can see it, but it's kind of like on a matte black. Yeah, it's kind of mysterious looking. So if you see a, a bottle from Hub, and it's obviously from Hub, that doesn't it's hard to read. That's the beer we're talking about. It's but, coming. It came in a twenty two, mm -hmm, but it also has Hopworks tenth anniversary. Right at the top of it in that classic yellow-orange logo that they have. So it's, The circle. Yeah, and... if you know Hopworks Urban Brewery, um, it, it stands out. So if you can find it, give it a try. Uh, I'm not just saying this because we brought it in and we had never tried it. This is really good. This is really good. And you should give it a try because you've probably mostly only had Fresh Hop IPAs. And yeah. this is interesting to try a different type of Fresh Hop. And I haven't had a Hopworks beer in a while. Um, I was out there uh, maybe three months ago, four months ago or something, the one out on Powell. And... Uh, I mean, I probably haven't had one of their beers since, and this is excellent. Kudos to you guys. Nice job. So there you go. That's Hub. Uh, what is it? Complete Darkness. Complete Darkness. Fresh Hop Imperial, Imperial Cascadian Darkdale. So if you can find that, let us know if you found it or if you've had it already, and let us know what you thought. But we think it's really, really, really good and really interesting and unique. Uh, so thanks so much for listening. Remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever you found us, and find us on the social media web pages. I'm on Twitter at MikeLynch27. Patrick's on Instagram at pd 85 and uh, next week, unsure of what the podcast is going to be. We're going to try to do Block 15 in Corvallis in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, so keep an eye out for that. It might not be exactly in two weeks, but we're going to try to set that up and, and head down there and have ourselves a day down there, which will be pretty fun. But uh, we'll be back next week, of course, Thursday at 4 o'clock. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed the podcast, and we'll see you then. Deuces. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.